Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everybody, to the Mike Abadir Show. I am Mike Abadir, the host, and I'm sitting with my co-host, Gino Bacola. We're live from Los Angeles. We hope everybody's having a great Thursday morning here in California or wherever you may be. We have a great show for you guys today. We're going to be discussing everything from college basketball scandal that's been going on, college football, MLB MVP situation with Aaron Judge, and if he is going to be the front runner for this, as well as at breakdown NFL matchups. First of all, we want to thank Josh Booty for a great interview last week. And we want to let you guys all know that we've got a really special treat for you guys coming up next week with Jerry Hairston from the broadcast group from the L.A. Dodgers talking Dodger playoffs. Gino, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, and hopefully acoustically will be a little bit better for you today. We're sitting together for the first time, and we have some new nice microphones. I do at least a nice Yeti here, so hopefully we uh, will have a little bit better sound mic and lots to talk about. We're going to jump right into college basketball. I know we're not going to spend too much time on this, but we want to hit it. It is one of the biggest stories out there. The FBI arrested 10 people on Tuesday for NCAA basketball assistant coaches as part of a three-year investigation. This involved all sorts of bribery, corruption, um, investigation with wiretap surveillance, undercover agents, cooperating witnesses. This was a big deal. Uh, we saw Louisville. They basically fired Rick Pitino. They put him on unpaid leave. And the AD, uh, Tom Urich, he's also been put on leave. This is a big, big issue. Yeah, it really is. And the disappointing thing to me is that I've always been a big fan of uh, Patino. Um, you know, he's done a great job at, from Providence to Kentucky to Louisville, achieved a tremendous amount of success, also was a head coach at the NBA level. And I've always found him to be a very intriguing college basketball coach. I've put him at my rush, in my mouth, Mount Rushmore alongside Coach K and uh, – you know, Coach Bobby Knight and some of the greats of all time. But the one thing that I find interesting is that he hasn't been able to distance himself from scandal, unlike Coach K. You know, he finds himself once again in a situation where he can't really explain himself out of this one. And it looks like it's going to do him in. Obviously, he's on an unpaid leave of absence, which we all probably know is going to be his demise at Louisville. So, I don't know. I'm Like I said, I'm disappointed. Uh I hope it doesn't have an impact on our local school here at USC, which we yeah. both uh, would like to see do well this year. I mean, I know that's near and dear to your heart, you know? Yeah, Bland is one of the coaches that's involved. Uh, there have been coaches from Arizona, Auburn, Louisville, Miami, Oklahoma State, and USC that are all involved in this investigation. It's currently ongoing, so we'll update over the next few weeks exactly what's happening. But um, it is a scary scene. The vibes over at USC right now, they are not great. SC's had to deal with a lot of issues like this over the last 10 to 15 years, the Reggie Bush stuff, also with OJ Mayo stuff. They've had teams, both basketball and football, that were on probation and that had to deal with um, issues. So 
yeah, this is not fun, especially with USC right now with uh, the top 10 team preseason and likely one of the best teams, if not the best team they've ever had coming into a season. This team they have is going to have, you know, at least five, I say more like seven or eight pros um, in the next few years, probably not all this year, but yeah, it's, it's a little sad, especially when things are going very well for USC, which kind of gives us a good transition into college football. We saw SC, you know, they struggled a little bit in the first few weeks, but they're still a top 10 team. We saw a couple of the other top 10 teams struggle last week. Oklahoma State lost, but one of the teams that we have to mention with a huge win, great call. It, it, we're getting that uh, we're getting that karma now. What does Jim Rome call it? The jungle karma? Yep, the jungle karma. We're, call, we're getting that with uh, some of our guests. We had the Mad Backer a few weeks back. He gave us uh, Tampa, and they crushed in their opener, and then Last week, Booty talked about TCU. TCU was really impressive beating Oklahoma State on the road. So TCU has jumped into the top ten right now. Um, what are the games this week jump out at you, Mike? Well, first and foremost, it's got to be SC and Washington State, right? This should be a really good matchup. We got two unbeaten teams. It's a Friday night game, and I love that. It gives us something to look forward to, uh, you know, in between races of Los Al. And, uh, you know, both teams are unbeaten. They both look pretty good so far. Give me a few numbers on this series. Out of the last 20 matchups, USC has won 16 of the last 20. At Washington State, USC's won 9 out of the last 10 straight up. They've been 7 out of the last 10 against a spread. And 7 of the last 9 games have gone over. So that tells me that we should have a really good game, a high-scoring game, but that SC should come out on top. What do you think? Yeah, how about this for Washington State? Quarterback Luke Falk, who is a pro quarterback, he's very, very good. He's averaging 32 and a half completions through four games. Averaging 32 and a half completions. They throw the ball up and down the field. They score, but they will get scored on. This will be a very high-scoring team. You know, and you look at USC, they've only played about five good quarters in four games. Uh, they played a decent end of the game against Western Michigan, decent second half against Stanford. The fourth quarter against Cal was okay. And, you know, they were spotty in their win against Texas in overtime. This game opened at four and a half. USC had been four and a half point favorite, down to three and a half. Last week, USC didn't have Ronald Jones, their leading rusher. He should be back on Friday. Dante Burnett, the number one wide receiver, he's banged up a little bit, but he's going to play. They didn't have their number two wide receiver, Stephen Mitchell, last week. So USC was missing some of their uh, skill players and they will get them back this week. It's going to be an up-and-down game. Darnold already thrown nine, um, seven interceptions in just nine, nine TVs so far. This is going to be a big next four coming up for SC with Washington State. Oregon State shouldn't be the most difficult game, but then they play Utah and Notre Dame, both ranked in the top 25. So a big, big next four games coming up for the Trojans, Mike, but that, that's the, one of the key games. I think the other game to look at, number two, Clemson. This looks like the best game left on their schedule. They've already won Louisville. They're playing this weekend against Virginia Tech. They're at La Tech, minus seven and a half. Yeah, this should be a pretty good matchup. I mean, once again, you have another set of unbeaten teams. Both are 4-0. Um, you know, to me, the interesting thing about it is when you look at last year's matchup, Virginia Tech probably gave them a little bit of a harder time than Clemson was uh, 
ready for or expecting, you know, at a neutral site, Clemson won 42 to 35. So relatively close score. Um, you know, Clemson has some good wins. You know, they crushed Louisville. They crushed Boston College. Um, Virginia Tech had a good win against West Virginia, but otherwise they've been playing duds. So, you know, I think Clemson will be the one that uh, walks out of this game with victory. I, d- I don't know if it's going to be a great game or not, but I'll tell you what. Games historically at Virginia Tech have usually been – surprisingly closer. It's been an area where teams come in and they know what they're getting with the good special teams that Virginia Tech has historically had. And somehow they find a way to keep the game close, probably a little bit closer than some of the top teams, whether it be Florida State over the years or others. And so I expect that this should be a good matchup. Let's uh, kind of dip through the rest of the top 10. Bama, they're cruising along. Not too much to talk about them right now. Oklahoma, last week, with uh, 2.45 left in the third quarter, Baylor took a 31-28 lead, but Oklahoma scored touchdowns on three straight possessions to go up 49-31. Uh, they still have to play Texas, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, TCU, and West Virginia. So Oklahoma, they got a tough schedule left. Number four, Penn State, they were in some trouble last week with 1.42 left in the fourth quarter. Iowa took a 19-15 lead. With a minute 42 left, Iowa takes the lead, Mike. Penn State gets the ball back with a minute and 30 seconds left. They run 12 plays in a minute and 30 seconds. They complete two fourth downs, including scoring a touchdown on fourth and goal from the seven with no time left. Penn State wins. And, you know, they look good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bet on Penn State being around towards the end of the year. They still have games against Michigan, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. Things are going to be difficult for them. So as far as the top five is concerned, um, this is a huge, huge weekend for both Clemson and USC because this might be the toughest game remaining on both their schedules. If they get through this game, um, I think both of them are going to be heavily favored in you know every game they play the rest of the season. Do you think that there are any teams in the top ten that are in jeopardy of suffering an upset this week? You know, you know, look through it, Georgia's. You know, Georgia's interesting. Their their team that beat Notre Dame a couple of weeks back, they play at Tennessee, which is never easy. But you look through the, the rest of them, Penn State's playing Indiana, um, Washington's at Oregon State. That should be easy. We have a couple of buys with Michigan and TCU. Um, Wisconsin is playing Northwestern. They're 14 at point eight. What I want to make sure to mention about Wisconsin is a team that I do think could be around at the end based on their schedule. They, they have Michigan at home, and the rest of their schedule, Nebraska, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, no Ohio State, no Penn State. This team, if they can beat Michigan at home, they could around at the end. So Wisconsin's a team to keep an eye out that final four. No, I completely agree with everything that you said. And, you know, as much as this uh, NFL talk has taken over some of the news college football is quietly putting together a a pretty good early season run and i think that they're going to probably be the beneficiary of a lot that's going on i don't know what your thoughts are by the way regarding the protest you know and i know one of the things that i've promised is that you know we wouldn't be political on this show or get into you know some of the hot and heavy topics that necessarily have been dominating all the airwaves i did want to raise a couple of quick points though because i think it's worth mentioning let me just say this 
I believe in equality for all. And I believe that the cause that a lot of these players are taking on is very noble. With that said, I think the thing that I wonder is what's the end game here, right? In other words, what has to happen in order for the protest to stop? Obviously, we want to change the social consciousness and people's minds about things. And I think that's probably happening because people are talking about this. But what has to happen for the players to say, you know what? We're done with the kneeling. Because one thing that I will tell you from a legal perspective, the, the thing that fascinates me that I hear all the time is people talking about how they are just exercising their constitutionally protected rights to free speech. But one thing that gets overlooked and nobody ever talks about is the Constitution protects the people from congressional acts not private employers necessarily. So we can't just go into our own place of work and decide to kneel if there's a cause because our boss is going to fire us, right? So when these guys are at the stadium, although they're publicly funded at times, so that adds an interesting wrinkle, but for the most part, they're going into their place of work, and if their boss doesn't like what's going on, they can do something about it. Now, I think the NFL is in a very difficult predicament because they can't just sit there and pretend that these social issues don't exist, especially when a majority of their players care about this issue. So it's put the NFL in a difficult position from a PR perspective because a lot of the fans are unhappy with the kneeling. But the star performers, the players, the guys that are the product have an issue. Where does this all go? I don't know. But like I said, if I'm Major League Baseball, if I'm college football, if I'm the NBA, you know, they haven't had to address these issues to nearly the extent. The NFL kind of has a black eye from the last few years anyways. You know, I don't know what the resolution is going to be. And keep in mind, you know, I'm involved in NFL. So as an agent, you know, what I would tell my player is follow your heart and go from there. Yeah, and this is another one that's a fluid issue. This is, I mean... A week ago, this wasn't an issue. A week ago, this is something that, that, you know, because of some of the statements made and people didn't like what was said. But isn't it crazy that in a week where everybody was so focused and so um, worried about politics, political things, this was the best week of football we've got so far. By far, it was like the players stepped up and realized or said, you know what, we're going to go out here and play, and we're going to show what we have. This was an excellent, excellent week of, uh, of football, and uh, we're going to break down a lot of the games in the second segment. We'll be able to recap a little bit of, uh, of last week. But, well, we have a few minutes left in this last segment. You mentioned Aaron Judge. You wanted to talk a little bit about the AL MVP because it's been kind of a roller coaster season for Judge this year. It has been a roller coaster season for Judge. Let me take you back. When I was growing up, I was a huge, and still am, a big Boston Red Sox fan. So the arch enemy of the Red Sox during the time period when I was a kid was the Oakland A's. The A's had a stacked roster from their starting pitching to their closer Eckersley to their entire infield, outfield, their catcher Terry Steinbach, etc., but we all know that the two guys that really led the charge were Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. They were a part of a 
mini dynasty, if you will. They only won one World Series, but during that time period, they had back-to-back-to-back rookie of the years in Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and Walt Weiss. So they were pretty stacked. And when I think of that time period, two things really stand out. Jose Canseco's 40-40 and Mark McGuire's all-time rookie record with 49 home runs. That has stood since 1987. I remember that season vividly. He had 31 home runs before the break and I believe 18 after the break to get to his 49 total. Very, very similar, statistically speaking, uh, home run-wise, as Aaron Judge, who, as we all know, a couple days ago, broke the all-time rookie home run record, hit his 50th home run. And um, so it takes me back. And the seasons are similar. The big difference is that Aaron Judge has a really high batting average, especially for a slugger. And when I look at his season, I look at it from this perspective. If you look at it from all 162 games, so we're almost at 162, he's got a fantastic season with 50 home runs, 111 RBIs, a 284 batting average still in his war. What's his war? Like seven point seven, I think. Yeah, I think he's like second in the league, only behind Altuve right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's top to bottom. It's fantastic. But if we start breaking it up, here's what I see. I see a guy who had a fantastic first half with 30 home runs, a guy who had a terrible middle portion of the season, approximately a third of the season, 50 games in which he was pretty much a non-factor. And then he's come on really, really strong again in September. So when you break down the numbers further and you look and you see, okay, well, out of the 50 home runs total, 20 have come against Baltimore and Toronto. Well, those are division rivals with... Yeah, and those are teams you're going to play against a little bit more because they're in your division. Correct. So he's got... And also those are ballparks that are conducive to hitters. They're ballparks that are a little easier to to hit the ball out. Uh, And and you know what? Honestly, you look at the... In particular, this year, those are teams that didn't have very good pitching staffs also. So, you know, I do think he deserves to be the MVP. I think the key is the Yankees are winning. I think the key is he has gone up down and then back up he's adjusted when the pitchers made adjustments to him so to me that's the mark of a very good baseball player when he started tanking i thought he was never going to get hit again he was striking out every single game he strikes out a ton but the guy has won that's the key the yankees are in the playoffs this year i think judge is your mvp you know, I think you're probably right, but what I'd like to do is at least throw out a few things to consider about Jose Altuve, including the fact that he's only listed at five foot six. Let's talk about that right after our very first commercial break. You're on the, listening to the Mike Abadir Show with Mike Abadir and Gino Bacola. We'll be right back. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to that's where better help comes into play with better help I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little 
BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at BetterHelp.com forward slash VA Health. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. We apologize if we had some audio issues. We hope we have rectified those. Other ways that you can get a hold of us are tweet Gino at it's me, Gino B, or to Mike Abdier, which is at Mike Abdier, A-B-A-D-I-R. We were just talking about the MVP races in the American League in particular because it's going to be uh, pretty contested. And we finished off talking, uh, making the case for judge pros and cons. And I just wanted to make a mention that Jose Altuve is having an absolutely ridiculous season, 200 hits. 24 home runs for the little guy, 32 steals, 347 average, and he leads the league in war with 8.3. So it's going to be a tough contest for the writers to decide, but I agree with you, Gino. I do think that Aaron Judge winds up on top because nobody in the history of baseball, and they've been playing this game for a really, really long time, has ever hit 50 home runs as a rookie. Yeah, I think what hurts uh, Altuve a little bit too is – the Astros are so good. Correa is going to, you know, Correa is a very good player. Springer is a good player. Reddick's had a good year. Guriel's had a good year. Keichel and McCullers have both have been solid pitching. So I think their team is deeper. Their team is stronger. I think uh, Altuve doesn't necessarily get as much of the vote as Judge does. So, yeah, it'll probably be Judge, I think, in a landslide. That 50 number was a big number to get to. Once you see that for a rookie, I think it's impressive, and they're in the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make the transition, I guess, from – Baseball over to football. We finally had a good week of football, Mikey. We finally got some football last week. I know. I know. It had been uh, a pretty rough first two weeks of the NFL season, in my opinion. Um, I hate to say it, but some of these matchups were unwatchable. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Not intriguing and not competitive makes for a bad formula. And I think that had probably a lot to do with the ratings as well as everything else that's going on. But... We had a good week three. Hopefully that's good momentum into this upcoming week four. 
there are some good matchups. There's some interconference matchups. There's some division matchups. There's some outer conference matchups. Let's talk about those. Let's start with tonight's game, the Bears and the Packers. On paper, at first glance, one may think, you know what, this is Aaron Rodgers going to feast on the Bears all day. This should be an easy win for those guys. Um, I'll run a few numbers by you. Green Bay did sweep the season series last year. They've won three out of the last four straight up. Both games last year went under the total, and both are coming off of good wins. So where do you stand on this game? How about this for uh, a number? In the all-time series, these two teams, when they've played, it's tied 94-94 to 6. They've both won 94 times. They've both tied six times. If you're going by just points overall scored in the series, Green Bay has scored 3,335 and the Bears have scored 3,331. There's four points that, that have been the difference between these two teams in all of the games they have played together. You can't get more even than that. No, the Bears were actually up 50-26-6 in the series. And since then, it's really changed for Green Bay. Rodgers is 15-4 and against the Bears since he's been around. Some key injuries for Green Bay. Two starters and their primary backups. Their whole offensive line is just decimated. Their left tackle, he missed the last two games, the hamstring. Their right tackle, Beluga, missed the first two games. He did play last week, then re-aggravated the injury and missed the final 23 snaps. Uh, offensive tackles, Kyle Murphy, uh, Spriggs, uh, Barkley, they're all done on they're on IR right now there were they were down seven starters by the end of uh, week three when they came back and beat the Bengals and the Bears are actually from the opposite they're getting healthier they're actually getting uh their robo guard back it looks like they're gonna have both of them back they had Kyle Long back last week for the first time and they're gonna get sitting back this week he, uh, he missed last week limited practice so far but it might be the first game this year where they have both of their starting guards together and this is a team that's averaging as a team, five yards per carry, and Cohen, Derek Cohen, is averaging 6.5 yards per carry, and he leads the Bears with 20 interceptions. They are going to bang it on the ground. It's going to be a lot of Howard and a lot of Cohen. I think this game stays close. I think the Packers win, but I think it's going to be by a field goal. I would play the Bears plus the seven in here. Let's move on to the game in the U.K., Wembley Stadium. I wonder if they're going to have uh, any protest issues over there. Uh, the Saints and Dolphins matchup. Now, this is an interesting matchup because the Dolphins look pretty pretty decent out here all the way on the West Coast against the Chargers. Now they got to travel on the other side of the pond and take on the Saints, who had two really rough games to start the season off and then went into Carolina and upset them in pretty convincing fashion. Cutler came off an absolutely terrible game against the Jets, who some people, if you remember, Gino, were talking about them possibly going 0-16, and they looked like a Super Bowl contender against the Dolphins. I don't know what to make of this team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Miami has to run the ball. They've lost the last three times that uh, JJ has not run for 100 yards. So if he doesn't run for 100 yards, they're basically not winning. He's a little bit banged up. And, you know, the Dolphins, they could easily be 0-2, Mike, if Koo doesn't miss that field goal. For the Chargers, the Chargers beat the Dolphins that week, and now the Dolphins are 0-2, and we're talking about them you know, a little bit different than, than the 1-1. I think the Saints win this game. They finally seem to get things going. They seem like they got the, the backfield set up a little bit. Ingram got the majority of the carries, and then once they were up, they were able to get Peterson involved a little bit. Kamara looked good. He's going to get some touches. But what I liked is that Drew Brees and Thomas seem to have the best chemistry that they've had all year so far. You're going to get Willie Sneed back from the suspension. 
And look at the Saints' losses. They look a little bit better at Minnesota week one, and we saw Minnesota come back last week and look really, really good, even with Case Keenum. And they lost to New England. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about the Saints. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back here and be 2-2 two two on a neutral site when they're playing. And the Dolphins, I just don't know what to think after that game last week. They really should have been shut out. They scored the last play of the game, and then they missed the extra point, just to give you an idea of how bad of a Sunday they had last week. So, yeah, I definitely would play the Saints here, minus the three in London. The matchup I'm probably most looking forward to is the Bills going up against my Super Bowl pick from a few weeks ago, the Atlanta Falcons. The Bills are 2-1. and one. The Falcons are 3-0. and oh. The Falcons look really, really good. Uh, they, too, could have lost uh, th- that game against Chicago, like you were mentioning earlier. But, you know, they've been pretty impressive overall. I-, I still think that this is the toughest team. We heard Josh Moody last week break down why they're so good, why they're so talented, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they protect their turf pretty well. They've got that new stadium. They're 1-0 at home. Bills are 0-1 away. What do you think about this game? Yeah, and you know, things have been breaking well for the Falcons, too. The Falcons are a team that's 3-0, and they could very easily be 1-2. Remember, in week one, the Falcons were playing against the Bears, and that was when Jordan Howard dropped the touchdown where the Bears could have beat the Falcons. Falcons come back, they crush Green Bay at home. Green Bay has a lot of injuries. And then the Falcons play last week against the Lions, and it they actually lost the game for about uh, five minutes until they overturned the play at the end of the game that was the runoff play. So Atlanta could very easily be one and two, but they're three. No, and that's the mark of a good team. They know how to win. I think it's a lot different when they're at home. Um, this this game's interesting. You know, eight points is a lot. That's what the spread is right now. And the Bills played very very well at home last week against Denver. Everybody thought Denver was you know one of the teams to beat in the NFL. But the Bills didn't make any mistakes. Tyrod Taylor runs the ball pretty well. He can scramble and he can pick up a first down. They haven't run the ball well with McCoy the last few weeks, but they seem to get some options in the, in the passing game. So um, I think, yeah, I think this is a close game, and I think I would probably lean towards the Bills keeping it close, but I do think Atlanta is going to win. Probably the most uninteresting matchup, so I don't even want to spend – more than eight seconds talking about Cincinnati <laughs> against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, two 0-3 teams, teams that have looked terrible, although the Bengals did look a lot better against Green Bay last week. And the Browns have put up some competitive fights. But You're already on nine is- seconds. You're already on nine seconds of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I have nothing more to say. You're right. Let's move on. To, One, know, few, what are your thoughts? A few things I'll mention. Tyler Eifert is out if you're playing for fantasy. And Joe Mixon ran really, really well in the fourth quarter. The Bengals actually played well last week. They lost at Green Bay, but if you know that's not a bad loss. They're, they just look worse because now they're 0-3, but they, uh, Dalton got involved. He got A.J. Green involved. And if they go heavy dose of A.J. Green and now – with Joe Mixon running the ball, if he gets 15 to 20 touches, this is going to be better. He had big runs on the last drive of the game. He was banging them out six yards, nine yards, six yards. Then, unfortunately, it was third and one. Just to give you an idea of the Bengals' season, they're playing well. Mixon's running the ball well. It's third and one, and then he slips, and they have to punt, and, and that changes the, the whole game. That gives Green Bay an opportunity to tie the game and then win it in overtime, so... Um, you know, yeah, this is going to be a, an ugly game. I think the Bengals probably get their first victory here. Kaiser has seven interceptions. It looks like the Bengals have settled down, and now they have a new offensive coordinator. I like what I saw from them last week. You know, before we get to a game that does look pretty exciting on paper, which is the uh, Rams at Cowboys, what are your thoughts, Gino, about taking a caller? 
Oh, we got to take a caller. All right, let's let's. We got a caller here. We got Justin from Brooklyn calling in. Justin, how are you, my friend? Guys, I'm talking about. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. pretty well, thanks, Justin. What's on your mind? Uh, so I'm a diehard Giants fan. I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on Odell's celebration. Uh, is that going to affect it? Uh, his contract, or what do you think is going to happen there? Now, are you talking about the dog celebration or the second one? On the side hydrant. The one that caused penalties. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Odell is a talent that's a once-in-generation type talent, right? He's one of those guys that really is a game changer as much as you could have at the NFL level, right? Because, you know, in basketball, you know, you can have a game changer with one guy. One guy can change the franchise around. You draft like a Tim Duncan or, you know, a Shaquille O'Neal. And before you know it, you go from a seller dweller to a perennial playoff team. Football, you don't have that as much. But Odell's probably about as close as you have in the National Football League to that category. Um, but what I'll tell you is this. Uh, from an agent's perspective, this is what you deal with when you're talking about super talented wide receivers. The wide receiver position is a me, me, me position, right? And over the years, whether it be the Joe Horn cell phone antics or T.O. or, you know, Ocho Cinco, just even the fact that he changed his name to Ocho Cinco, right? Um, here's what I'll tell you. I know that the there was a, a couple of comments the other day from the Giants owner, um, Mr. Mara basically was very disappointed in what he saw on the field. Doesn't feel that it represents the New York Giants well. With that said, if you're asking about the contract negotiations specifically, I don't think that it affects him for a single penny, nor does it affect the Giants' desire to keep him a New York Giant for life. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Do, do the antics build up from here or... Does he, um, you know, just play, play ball, score, entertain people, probably come up with a different dance? I don't know. What do you think, Gino? You know, it doesn't bother me, Justin, honestly. I love the uh, I love the emotion from Odell because what you want in a lot of your players is you want emotion, you want passion, and you can't teach that, as uh, Enzo Amori says. But I think the key is for ODB, can they win some games? We've seen them win the last couple years. They had a good year last year. They're not scoring a whole ton, but... I do think this is a completely different team with Odell Beckham in the lineup. They opened things up. You started to see Brandon Marshall get involved last week. You saw a big catch from Shepard. If you guys didn't have Eli Apple killing the big apple last week, you probably win that game. And I think you got a, a big chance to win this weekend. The crook from Brooke, Justin. Glad to have you calling. Mike, Justin, and I used to host a show together at PCC. We hosted the play-by-play together and that was the, my first taste of the radio so glad you called in today buddy uh, make sure you give us a call every week we'll talk giants with you thanks justin all right thanks man take care guy awesome nice to hear justin calling in yeah we uh we did some uh some radio just like this a few years back well not just like this a little different but it was it was fun that was the first taste of uh of the radio justin and i had together where we would go through a lot of the games and uh and preview everything talk a little wrestling too so justin talking giants and and the uh, the Giants, they got to get a win this weekend. They got, what's nice, they scored last weekend. They actually came back, they scored 24 straight points. They scored 24 in the fourth quarter. They took the lead, but they uh, a couple big penalties from Eli Apple. Penalty, pass interference, another pass interference. And then the longest kick ever for a rookie, a 61-yard game-winning field goal. The longest game winner, Jake Elliott, who had missed a 52 
earlier in the game, and he missed from 30 the week before, and, and he missed an extra point, but he still gets the job done. And if you didn't see the video, Carson Wentz was saying, uh, they had a mic up, he was saying, I swear, if he hits this, I'm giving him my game check. I'm giving him my game check if he hits this. If he hits this and he hit it, it was really cool. I tweeted it out, and he just goes crazy. The whole sideline's going crazy. It was a, a really cool moment. So that was a little unfortunate, though. Justin was on the wrong side of that game last week. Well, going from uh, teams that haven't been able to score to what I think should be a pretty high-scoring matchup, the Rams and Cowboys. You know, the Rams are one of those teams that, you know, obviously don't get a lot of national attention. Obviously here in L.A., you know, there's been some attention, I suppose. But here's what I will tell you. I think that the league should take notice because this is a young team with an unproven quarterback, but he's got a lot to prove. He's got some pretty decent weapons around him. He's obviously got a stud running back behind him, and they've got a great defense. I still think that this could be a shootout with the Cowboys even though both have a chance to you know, keep this game relatively low scoring-wise with, with capable defenses, I still think that both of these quarterbacks are going to want to outperform one another. You have a, a, a rookie, a, you know, two second-year guys. You know, um, one was obviously drafted a lot higher than the other. I think that's got to be in the back of Dak's mind a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Gino? Well, the, the real key to this game, just from some of the numbers that I was looking at, the Rams are just – they're getting crushed on the ground. And we know what Dallas wants to do with Zeke. We know what Dallas wants to do. They want to run, 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 run with Zeke. Zeke has been struggling a little bit. Last game he had 80 yards, but it was on 22 carries. A couple weeks back, he didn't even crack 10 yards. So this is going to be the matchup. We have a team that's been struggling against the run in the Rams. They allowed a lot of rushing to the 49ers. They allowed a lot of rushing to the Colts, they got crushed on the ground by the Redskins, and we know Dallas wants to run, so that will be the key. And I do think there is scoring in this game. I like what I've seen from Goff. The body language is good. He has weapons. He has receivers. Both Watkins and Tavon Austin were practicing, so they're out of the concussion protocol. If you're playing fantasy, Cooper Cup is a very sure-handed receiver for him. Uh, and I like to see that uh, again, Des Bryant got back in the end zone last week. And this should be a fun game. And I think uh, they'll go back and forth. And I do expect to see a lot of scoring in here. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the more interesting of the uh, morning matchups. So let's take the next commercial break and pick up with the rest of the morning matchups, move on to the afternoon ones. And then we're going to give you a little bit of a preview of the big race card that Santa Anita's putting on this Saturday, where they have five grade one races. So we hope that you hang with us through this commercial break. Sit back and join us for the next segment because it should be a good one. You're listening to the Mike Abadir Show with Mike Abadir and Gina Bacola. We will be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. 
My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mike Abadir alongside Gino Bacola, and we're just running down the NFL games for this weekend. We do have an emailer calling in or sending in a, a question, and uh, this one is for you, Gino. Gino, you've been pretty spot on with your fantasy analysis so far. What do you think are the players that I should uh, look at from the Steelers and Ravens games since they're both defensive-minded teams? Okay. Interesting question. Well, Buck Allen's been the guy to play the last few weeks. Um, From a PPR standpoint, what's nice about Buck is he's going to get some catches. He's going to get some targets. So uh, Buck Allen's been, you know, one that's, he's, he has a nice floor because in this game, you assume that the the Ravens are actually underdogs at home and they have some injuries. They're banked up a little bit. They're going to probably have to throw a bit to keep up with Pittsburgh. So you see a receiving running back, getting a lot of running here. So I think Buck Allen is very interesting. And I don't really like Big Ben on the road. I think he's a, a play against him here. Antonio Brown's been as safe as you could possibly have. And Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of getting back into the swing of things right now. I mean, those are the, the major places, the major faces. But I think the uh, the interesting play in there is probably Buck Allen. He, he's, you know, he's going to get you some touches. The key is, how many carries is he going to get? Because he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of passing through the air, but in a PPR league, that should uh, affect you at all. And then one more to mention from a different game, um, we uh, we talked a bit about it. The Panthers in the past, I think in the Panthers game with Olsen out, McCaffrey is another one who is going to get a lot of out of the backfield uh, balls through the air. So let's go McCaffrey. Let's also go Bunches in the past uh, Panthers game. I think the Panthers are going to be down. Chasing the pass, they're going to have to throw to keep up with them. So, Bunches is another one uh, in one of those games that we didn't really talk a ton about. 
Very good. Thanks for that fantasy question. I was actually looking for your name and had to scroll down to the signature line. So uh, that was from Greg. So we thank you, Greg, for that. And uh, we encourage everybody to feel free to call us, email us, tweet us at any point in time. We will try to get to it while we are on the air. I know we're a little bit limited with the one-hour format, but on days where we don't have a guest like today, which was scheduled just so that we can get into more detail about these games per the request of you guys, the listeners. And if you ever have any topics that you want to talk about, please feel free to send them over to us. I know that Gino was uh, commenting to me off the air about how we've received some pretty good reviews. I know you wanted to uh, you know, thank a few people and say hello to a few people as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, if, if you go to iTunes, one thing that we really uh, ask of you, if you're listening to the show or if you're subscribed to the show, head on over to iTunes. If you subscribe, all the shows will immediately come to you, but it'll also give you the option to leave us a rating. So you could leave us a rating and the more five-star ratings we get, we continue to jump up the charts. That'll be better for us. You could also post a description right below. So you could tell us uh, things that you like or don't like about the show. But even if you don't like the show, at least leave us a five-star rating and then you could say what you don't <laughs> like, you know, and then it'll It'll bump us up. But I know Lisa is out there. Uh, she was uh, giving us a, she's giving us a, a nice rating. And uh, I know the dude was also listening last week. And uh, and uh, a lot of the folks listening have been giving some positive feedback, too. They like certain segments. They want a little more of this, a little bit less of this. So that's what we want. We want to know what, what you want. And Mike, we talked about this um, out there the other day. This is a show that we can definitely mold and change based on the feedback. So more of what you like, let us know. We'll continue to get into that. Um, if there are certain things you think we're spending too much time on or maybe you don't like as much, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll try to shift the focus for all the folks out there listening. Now, is he always the dude or did he become the dude? He's do you dude. Think? He's oh, dude. Just dude. Just dude. Just dude. Okay. Just dude. All right. All right. Just Sounds dude. good. I'll be, hanging, I'll be hanging out with dude, having some dinner with dude later on tonight. A little Northwoods in, some cheese bread. You know about that. We were Absolutely. at the boat the other day. With we were at the boat. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I got to. I got. I have to say this. What's up, dude? Oh yeah. You I'm, I'm talking to him, not to you, right now. So okay, very good. Well, I'll tell you what. Because I really want to hear your thoughts about the Santa Anita card. Do you mind if I just go down the rest of the games? You give me a winner. Yeah, just go rapid fire. Okay. We have the Lions, who've looked pretty good early on, and like you mentioned, they should have won last game. They are in Minnesota. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the Vikings are the team to play, especially with Keenum uh, last week. So we're going to stick with Keenum. I like the way he looked, and he's been practicing with the first team. I don't think Bradford's playing either, so let's go uh, with the, the Vikes. Carolina at New England. Yeah, we're going Pats. Carolina looks bad. Cam came out of the game last week. He's still a little banged up. Kelvin Benjamin's still a little banged up. The Pats have some problems, but I don't think it will be an issue against the Panthers this week. Jets are coming off of a one-game winning streak. They're hosting the Jags. What do you think? God, the Jags' defense is so good. I just think that front seven, they're going to be really, really tough for the Jets to stop. Bilal Powell, he's another one that you want to play this weekend in fantasy, especially in DFS, because Matt Forte has turf toe. He will not likely be playing, which means Bilal Powell will be getting all of the carries and then all of the uh, the passes out of the backfield. So um, Bilal Powell, you play. I would probably lean towards the Jaguars at minus three and a half, but this is a game that I would not really bet a lot on and probably not even want to watch a bunch. AFC North matchup Steelers at the Ravens. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'd go with the Ravens plus three. I don't like what I've seen from the Steelers. Now, this is the Ravens team that's coming off of a shellacking last week at London. But, you know, sometimes when you have a bad race, I look at like I'm handicapping a horse race. You just put a line right through that game. The Ravens are back home now. It's a divisional matchup. They always get up against the Steelers. Steelers haven't won 
on the road against the Ravens since 2012. Who wins, Tennessee or the Texans? Um, I'm going with the Texans in here. I love what I saw from Watson last week. I think he is interesting because he can really extend plays. He has that rushing, and he's just a winner. He, he's a guy that just he has a spark. He's given them a spark. I think Ryan Griffin is an interesting tight end to use, you know, on cheaper DFS plays. But they're getting their weapons back too. Will Fuller will be back this weekend. I think the Texans are going to win this game straight up. So let's play the Texans because they are playing at home, and they're going to be a slight underdog at home against the Titans. I have the mighty fallen and fallen hard between the Niners and the Cardinals. One win out of six tries between the two. This is too many points. The Cardinals should not be seven point favorites against the 49ers. The 49ers finally figured things out offensively last week. They're running the ball very well. They ran the ball well against the Rams and against the Seahawks. I like the 49ers to keep it close. I think the Cardinals win by a field goal, but I think the 49ers and the uh, seven points is the play. You know, it's tough to say that there's ever a, a must win in the first four games of the season, but this is a must win for the Chargers, right? They, they, I mean, they have to win this game against the Eagles or else on the year, during the year that you moved from San Diego to Los Angeles, are you going to start the year 0-4? Could easily be 2-1 and and maybe even 3-0 and if things uh, broke their way. Phillip Rivers just looked awful last week, but the Eagles secondary is so banged up. I, the Chargers, I think, are going to win this game. The Eagles are coming off a big win last week. They really shouldn't even have won that game. They came back, and they were beneficiary of a couple late penalties and then a big field goal to win the game. So let's go Chargers here. Okay, cool. Um, give me a winner. Giants-Bucks. Giants. First win of the season. Oakland-Denver. I'm going with the Raiders. They're going to bounce back. I, I think uh, there were some flaws in Denver. Agreed. Indy at Seattle. Yeah, Seattle's going to crush. They're a 13-point favorite. I just I don't think they're going to be able to uh, defensively uh, on the offensive line. They're not going to be able to up the Seattle defense. And then the Monday night matchup, the Redskins at Kansas City. I think another one where this is going to be closer than the line. The line is seven. Let's take the Redskins uh, to keep it close. The Chiefs may win this game by a field goal or so. Sounds good. I think that this week should be a interesting one in the National Football League, but we have another interesting weekend in an entirely different sport. Santa sport Anita. That both you and I love. It's opening day tomorrow at Santa Anita, and I'm absolutely ecstatic that we're back at Santa Anita. Hopefully, have some big fields, some competitive races, some Grade Ones. Although you've got an interesting take on the quality of the fields in these Grade Ones. We will start with one of my favorite all-time horses, Zenyatta. Race five on Saturday. It's the Zenyatta Stakes. It's grade one. Post time on that should be 2.30 p.m. We've got a six-horse field. we got Baffert, Sadler, the DeSormo brothers. But you might be looking elsewhere. What are your thoughts? Let's go to the two in here, Midnight Toast. This is a grade one race with just one of these exiting a graded stakes race. That was Paradise Woods, who was sixth out of seven in a grade three. I mean, she's no doubt the one to beat. Her best is the best in here. There are four of these exiting a restricted stakes race, the Tranquility Lake. Midnight Toast had some trouble that day. Now going to go second start off the bench. I think this is an interesting filly. She's going to be a big price in what I think is a wide open race if you get past Paradise Woods. So make sure to use the two midnight toast in all of your exotics in the fifth race on Saturday at Santa Anita. Now, race six is an allowance race. It looks pretty competitive. It's a 12-horse field, so that should be a good betting race. Let's but let's jump to race seven, unless you, you have thoughts yeah. about it. Okay, yeah. let's jump to race seven. Um, interesting field of eight. 
Post time on this one's 3.32. Once again, you have a, a Baffert entry. You have the DeSormo brothers teaming up again. You have Dallas Keene and Sasha trying to upset this field. And good news is that morning, morning lines just arrived, by the way. I don't know if you saw that or not, but they're just hitting my screen, literally uh, at my latest refresh. Um, so in this one here, it looks like Simon Callahan's horse, Moonshine Memories, is going to be the two-to-one morning line favorite. We've got Flav Van Pratt on board. Uh, Doug O'Neill's, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, P.D. P.D. Bianchi. Where the Mario Gutierrez is, is the second choice of five to two. And then Baffert has a third and fourth choices with Mike Smith on board and Talamo on board. And that's Justice Smith to the number eight and Luring Star number two. Where are you looking at this one? I like Luring Star in here. I, I wasn't really impressed with the, a lot of the horses that came out of the debutante and some of the ones that were running at Del Mar. I just didn't really love what I saw from them. But Luring Star, I think this is a horse who was headed and battled back. I think should stretch out very, very nicely in here. So let's go to the two alluring star in race number seven. And I'll tell you one quick angle, and this isn't a big secret, but every time that there are two Baffer entries and one looks just too good to lose between the two, the, the other one seems to always win. It's usually the higher price one. But you mentioned the five. I think the four super good and the five Terra's Angel are both interesting price horses to, uh, to use in the under exotic. So two, four, and five, uh, I'll have the two on top there. Yeah, love me some Gary Stevens on the 15 to 1, right? Let's go to the front runner, which is race eight on the card. Post time on that one scheduled for 4.03 p.m. We have a nine-horse field uh, for two-year-olds at a mile and a 16th. Once again, looks like a pretty competitive field. Um, Zatter is the five to two, or excuse me, uh, Bolt de Oro is the two to one morning line favorite. Mick Ruiz, Corey Nakatani on board. And then the second choice is Baffert's runner, Zatter, with Rafael Bejarano on board. Yeah, Boltiaro is the one to beat. He was squeezed back last out, and he made a four-wide move. It was really, really impressive. Uh, three, Ayakara. I love the way this one improved when he was stretched out last time out. Zatter is going to be tough to leave out. And the uh, and the, the eight, Salamini, Zayat has two in here, and they both look very, very nice. Uh, the seven encumbered, I wouldn't really talk you off that one. But for me, it's going to be uh, three and four on top. Bull Dioro looks like one of the better two-year-olds we've seen. I think visually he has been super impressive. So he's a must-use, and he might be a single in some of the late exotics. Very good. Since we have less than a minute to go, give us a winner in the Rodeo Drive Race 9, as well as the Awesome Again in Race 10. Uh, decked out. Decked out had trouble last out. Let's use the 8, the 10, the 5 in race number 9 at Santa Anita. That's the grade 1 Rodeo Dive. Good year for Roses is the one to beat and you have to use in your exotics. And then the 10th race is the awesome again. We're going to see the older horses go there. Uh, this, to me, looks like a formful race. I think Baffert has a really strong hand with Cupid and Moop Dahij. And I think Breaking Lucky, the shipper who's been facing Gunrunner the last few times, will also be tough. So those are the three I'll use in exotics there, Mike. And I'm very curious to see how Dortmund runs with the Art Sherman training. Eight to one morning line, Gary Stevens on board. So I'm with you, though. I think Cupid is got to be, has got to be the, t the horse to beat. But this is a good field. It should be an interesting one. Do you know this has been awesome? As always, it seems like an hour is never enough. Uh, fly by. We need to see if these guys will give us like a three-hour show. Hopefully, we'll, you we'll know. keep working on it. We, we could keep working on it and see if we can get there. But in the meantime, we thank you all for listening. We appreciate all the calls and, and tweets and support and uh, the iTunes clicks, etc. Join us next week when we have Jerry Hairston Jr. Oh, yeah. The Dodgers broadcast team talking to us about Dodger playoffs. 
We thank you all for listening. We hope you have a fantastic sports weekend. And Gino and I will see you next week. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.